This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And so the title tonight is this. The title is How to Amaze Jesus. Now, is, uh, would you like to amaze Jesus? Is there anybody besides me that you'd like Jesus to be like, man, that, that's amazing. That's incredible what I see going on down there. Well, as we study the four Gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we've got two examples of times when it literally records that Jesus was amazed. He was absolutely shocked and astonished. And I would say that it's pretty hard to surprise Jesus. It's pretty hard to amaze Jesus. Well, I've got two examples of, of people or of situations where they pulled it off. They amazed Jesus. And, uh, and I'm gonna show you tonight how you can amaze Jesus. And, and I know that, uh, in our lives, He wants to do some great big things. Have you realized that, that, that Jesus loves you and He wants to uh, work miracles in your life. He wants to provide for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to do all sorts of incredible things. And it all comes down to faith. Do you realize that Jesus has all the power it takes right there? The power's there. The power is available. But it takes somebody plugging into that power to make things happen. And so as we're talking about how to amaze Jesus tonight, I'm really hitting on the topic of faith. And we talk about faith a lot around here, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not backing down from that, because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And if there's anything I want to do in this life, I want to please God. It's okay if people aren't pleased with me. It's okay if there's people that are like, well, that didn't please me that he said that. You know, I wanted, I'd like to please you, but if I don't, that's fine. But I've got to please God. And it's impossible to please him without faith. Our whole lives, our whole existence, our whole church is built on faith. Because faith is what saves us. Faith is what can bring healing to our bodies. Faith is what delivers our kids from addictions and restores our marriages. It's faith in the power of Jesus Christ. Because the power's always there, but when someone uses faith to plug into that power, something big happens. Amen? And so that's why we talk about faith so much, and we will preach and talk about faith every day until Jesus takes us home. Because guess what? When I get to heaven, I'm not going to need faith anymore. Right now, I walk by faith, not by sight. When I get there, hey, I'll be walking by sight because I will actually see all the stuff that I've been believing this whole time. And that'll be a beautiful day. But until then, faith, not sight. All right. And so two ways that you can amaze Jesus. Let's pray and then let's get into this. I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat like, how can I amaze Jesus? How can I do it? I'll tell you, friend. Let's just pray and then we'll get into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. For your word. We thank you that we have your written word in our lives, Lord. And I pray that as we study the Bible tonight, as we, as we look at your word and, and, and some stories that you left for us, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, that we will have our faith built, we will learn, and you will show us things that we need to, to hear. You'll show us things that we need to see and understand so we can be the best possible Christians we can be. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? So if you want to amaze Jesus, here's one surefire way to do it. Number one, 
have strong unbelief. It amazes him. Number one, <laughs> follow me, have strong unbelief. Be a big time doubter. And, and you're like, well, that's not what I came to hear. Well, let me show you the word of God. Let's look at Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. Can someone turn there tonight? We're going to need to step up the enthusiasm for the word of God. All right. I said Mark chapter six. <laughs> all right. Just making sure I'm at the right place. This is high desert word center, right? You know, it's funny how many people confuse our names. I remember when I first came in, uh, in 2007, become youth pastor, we took the youth group to the baseball game down in Atalanto. There was a Christian concert. I was so excited. I had enough kids that they were going to put our name on the big screen. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be so cool. Monica, you were there, all right? We saw Hawk Nelson, and so, uh, and so we get there, and they're like, and now, you know, tonight's special groups, and they, I'm waiting on it. They put our name on the screen. It says High Desert Work Center, like we're in an employment and staffing agency. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me, man! I was so mad because we're not a work center, we're a word center. But you know, whatever, it's cool. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm over it. It took a while, but I'm, I'm over it. So Mark chapter six, and we're gonna look at verses. Four through six, and here we have this story of Jesus in his hometown, his home area of Nazareth, and and here he is. He was he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised on the west side of Nazareth. All right, and so here he is in Nazareth, and he's like, "Hey, I've been out doing the, you know, I've been out doing miracles." He's probably excited to go back to his old stomping grounds, his family, his friends, and all these people that he grew up with were going to be there. But when he gets there, he can't do anything. In fact, he says he he could do no mighty works there because people are just like, "Oh, wait a minute." It's Jesus. We know him. This is Joseph's son. He's a carpenter. The guy builds stuff with wood. And so that they weren't impressed at all. But look at verse 4, Matthew 6, verse 4. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and amongst his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, not because of a lack of power on Jesus' part, but because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And, you know, as we read that, we're like, well, that's pretty good. Everywhere else he was going, he was raising the dead. He was healing the blind. He was feeding thousands of people. And in the original Greek there, that few sick people, it literally says people with minor ailments. So maybe somebody with a headache got healed that day. But everywhere else he was going, there was the miraculous. But look at verse 6. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Now, Jesus, he'd seen a lot of things in his day. He'd been from heaven down to earth, and he had experienced a lot of things. But at this point, it says Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Can you imagine Jesus? Being there in your presence, he shows up and everyone's like, this is, we hear about the stuff he does, but he shows up and and none of that stuff happens. None of it happens. Why? Because your faith level, your, your miracle depends on your faith level, right? I mean, we just think that God's so good, he'll come down here and just blast me with miracles, whether I believe anything or, no. Your faith is the determining factor on if you're going to get a miracle or not. 
Okay. Now I'll, I'll, you know, to go a little bit deeper, there are times, you know, we see someone that freshly gets saved, someone born again straight out of the world, and oftentimes we will see a lot of just quick healings and quick uh, miracles and answers to prayer in a very young Christian's life because they haven't had the time to develop their faith. And so we will see a lot of times the gifts of the Spirit specifically functioning to bring them about a change. You know, they come up to the pastor, get hands laid on them, and boom, it's like they get healed every time because they aren't at a place yet in their faith level where they could really trust and believe God for it. So God will oftentimes specifically use uh, the gifts of the Spirit to really bring about things in their life. But then sometimes you've been in church for 10 years now. You've been around. You've read the Word. You are held to a level where you're going to have to, after a while, quit just relying on the pastor's faith or your brother's faith, and you're going to have to start using your own faith at, at a certain point in time, right? And so these guys, they knew Jesus. They grew up with him. This is his family, his friends. This was people that knew him. And then they heard about this miracle worker doing all these things. The miracle worker shows up. Oh, it's Jesus. (laughs) And he was shocked. He was amazed at their insane level of unbelief. And did you notice something Jesus said there in verse 4, that a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family? And as a Christian, um, it, 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 one thing that you see a lot of times is the most resistance, once you start getting really uh, all on deck for God, once you really fully commit, sometimes the most resistance and the most... Uh, the most persecution that you receive is from those that have been closest to you. Those, you know, your own family, they're like, well, who does she think she is? Okay, now she's going to that church all the time. She thinks she can just pray for me. You know, what, what, what she thinks she's better than me now. What? And, and, and so uh, Jesus even said this himself. Sometimes the most heat that you get isn't from the atheist and the and the hater and the mean people. It's from your own family, and it's even from family that claims to be believers. My dad tells this man, the Samples family in Indiana, they are not, you know, known for being Christians. <laughs> They're known for alcohol, okay? And I've come from a long line of alcoholics. My dad is the first samples to really break that out of out of his family. There's seven kids, one one my aunt, one girl out of the family. She wasn't into it. But everyone else, I mean, they are just they love some alcohol. And my dad was no different. And so he was out there living it up and, and, you know, drunk and getting arrested and all this crazy stuff. He comes to Jesus at, I think what he said, 28 years old, comes to Jesus, gives it all up, and then his whole family gets mad at him. All of a sudden, they're angry at him. And and they didn't care when he was getting arrested. They didn't care when he was drunk. They didn't care when he was out getting in fights. But as soon as he stops doing all that stuff... Something's wrong with him. We need to we need to talk to him. They staged an intervention and sat him down like, we're worried about you. We're worried. What's wrong with you? Here you are. You're going to that church over there in Indianapolis three times a week. We even heard that you're giving them 10% of your paycheck. What is wrong with you? And they staged an intervention. They tried to have him committed to a, to a mental place because that was crazy. It wasn't crazy when he was drunk and getting arrested. That was totally acceptable. But as soon as he stopped doing that and went to church three times a week and started the bar seven times a week, something is wrong. And in fact, the, one of the only family members that did even claim to be a Christian 
got so angry at him, sent him a letter and said, who do you think you are? I've got more religion in my little finger than you have in your whole body. And my dad was like, yes, you do, because I don't have religion. I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so, yeah, if you, you, yeah, you've got religion, you keep that religion, because religion stinks. But a relationship with Jesus changes everything. And so I'm just telling you right now that sometimes the most heat that you're going to get for your faith will be sometimes from your own family members, those that know you the best. And I'll tell you something else, too. If you really start taking faith seriously, you really start doing what the Bible says. If you start doing what the Bible says and laying hands on the sick, if you start doing what the Bible says and going out and witnessing and preaching the gospel to every creature, if you start doing what the New Testament says, it will rub religious Christians the wrong way. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. If you go out there and you're casting out devils, all right, because you can do that with the name of Jesus. All right. You go out there laying hands on the sick. You go out there doing the things the Bible says to do. Religious Christians will get upset at you. All right. And so I don't know. I'm I'm going to tell a couple of stories and I'm probably definitely not going to finish my notes at this point. But here we go. So I remember I, I will uh, I will hide names to protect the innocent, even though they're not innocent. They deserve a chewing out. So I was. um I was serving at a, a church in Indiana, not my dad's church, and I remember one time, uh, it was around Christmas time of this year, and I was helping out with the youth ministry, and they're like, hey, we've got a bunch of needy people that we're giving gifts to, uh, you know, let's make the youth do it, you know, no one else wants to, so let's get the youth group, I'm like, alright, fine, let's, dude, give me the list, and so, uh, you know, we deliver all these gifts, there was a single mom, and uh, somehow we missed her, but she calls me when I'm on my way home, I didn't know the girl, never met her in my life, and she She's like, is it too late? I'm like, no, 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 I'll stop off and, and see you. And, and so me and Katie, uh, she's like, meet me at this gas station. I'm like, okay. And so this girl is like crying on the phone. And it's snowing outside. It's December in Indiana. It was just crazy weather and all this. So it's freezing cold. I stop at this gas station and pull up. And this, this young mom just like falls out of her car crying. And she's like, what do I need to do to give my life to Jesus? What must I do to be saved? And I'm like, you found the right guy. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited because, you know, we're called to be fishers of men. But it's not real often that the fish just jump into the boat like this was like, come on. This was beautiful. And so we pray with her. We give her Christmas gifts and bless her and get her set up to go to church. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to go back and tell the leaders of the church. And and so me and Katie, we get there. and We're like, you guys, you're not going to believe this. I tell them this story. and They're like, oh, great. You really did that? I'm like. Yeah, I did that. You know, those are the hardest ones to get. I, I mean, if you want to pursue this, you go right ahead, but I, it may be a waste of time. And I'm like, what in the world? No! When you start to really do the works of Jesus, it rubs religious people the wrong way, and they will get angry at you. I've seen this my whole life. Everywhere that Jesus went, he was doing miracles. Who got angry? It wasn't usually the Romans and the heathen. It was usually the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the teachers of the law. It was the religious people. They got really upset. Like, who does he think he is? Really? You think you can just go and do that? Who gave you the power to forgive sins, Jesus? Like, well, my father did. And look at that lame guy. He's walking now. So uh, you can't argue with the results. But 
If you want to amaze Jesus, strong unbelief will do it. And as you go and step out in faith as a Christian, you're going to rub some people the wrong way. And, you know, Kenneth Hagin, he said this, that out of all the persecution he received in his ministry, it wasn't the atheists and the haters and the... No, the the persecution he received was from religious Christians. That's just something to think about. That's not the topic of my sermon tonight. But that's something to think about, that in the end times, as you start to get bold for Jesus, don't expect everybody to be happy about it, because they won't. In fact, the majority of people will probably be upset that you've got the guts to do something that they know the Bible says to do, but they're too sissy to go out and do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right. Let's look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. So I do know this, that doubt does try to come to all of us. You know, there's times that, hey, when I'm praying, the devil tries to throw doubt at my mind. But I squash those thoughts right away because I remember what Jesus has already done for me. He's done a lot for me. And he's done a lot for you guys. I know you. I know your testimonies and stories. We're all a big family around here. Jesus has done a lot for you, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Don't act like he has it. And don't be ashamed of what he's done for you. He has brought you through the fire. He has brought you through the flood. He has brought you through the attacks of the devil that were meant to kill you, but you're still standing. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus has done for you. And always remember what he's done. So Mark chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. And even those closest to Jesus can have a short memory. And I'm, I'm going to read this. Uh, you know, I, I, I preach on this story many times, but let's look at this. Mark chapter 8, verse 16 says, at, so first of all, you got to realize that they got in the boat. They're getting ready to cross to the other side of the waters and everything. And then the disciples are like, oh, wait a minute. We forgot something. Mark chapter 8, verse 16. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Can you imagine Jesus speaking that way to you? Is your heart too hard? What's wrong with you? Why are you even doubting? What's the matter with you? You can't take it in? Your hearts are too hard? Verse 18, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? What about when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. Okay, what about when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves? How many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. Now think about the irony of this situation. That here they are. They had seen Jesus feed over 5,000 people single-handedly with a few loaves of bread, right? And then on a separate occasion, some people don't realize this. This happened twice. On a separate occasion, he feeds over 4,000 with a few loaves of bread. And here they are, the 12 of them plus Jesus in the boat, and they're like, oh, great, we forgot to bring bread. Do you see how silly that is? If there's anything on my list of worries, and I've got Jesus in the boat, Bread would not be on that list. Jesus can just make bread. I mean, he can make bread happen from anywhere. Jesus is really good with bread, right? And so here they are. These guys had seen him with their own eyes 
feed a minimum of 9,000 people, but we know that wasn't counting the women and kids, so probably closer to 15,000 people or even higher. They'd seen him multiply bread that many times, and here they are, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? We didn't bring any bread. Jesus was a little irritated at this point. You guys, are you got hard hearts? You got ears? You can, Can't you hear? You got eyes? Can't you see? Can't you remember anything at all? What about when I did this? You guys aren't getting it yet. And so there's oftentimes that we see Jesus, he became a little bit irritated with the disciples because he's like, what else do I got to do? What else do I have to do before you could possibly not worry about stinking bread? That should be the very least of your concerns right now. You're in the boat with Jesus himself. That's like playing a pickup game of basketball down there at the park, and you've got Michael Jordan in his prime on your team. What are you going to do? Just get the ball to him the whole time, and you're going to win, right? If you're in a bad situation, what are you going to do? Man, just get it over into the hands of Jesus, and you're going to win. Don't hold your problem into your own hands like, I got this. No, you don't. You don't got this. Give it over to Jesus and say, hey, I got a problem here, Jesus. I'm just going to cast this care over onto you. Get the ball into Jesus' hands and just step back. Don't screw it up, and you're going to win. It's, you know, it's not complicated. But Jesus, in this situation, was very apparently frustrated with what he was hearing from his own disciples. And again, he doesn't say it, but I think he was a little bit shocked. He was a little bit amazed at what he saw and what he heard. And so you got to realize, if Jesus provided the bread once, do you think he can do it again? Anyone? I worked with this older gentleman in Oklahoma back in college, and he had this remarkable testimony of being healed from lymphoma cancer. And, and he, he shared it with people, and he told people about it. And then one time this, you know, this uh, lady asked him, uh, you know, well, what if you got cancer again? What, what, you know, couldn't Jesus just heal you again? And he's like, well, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to presume that he would just do it again. I don't think he would do it twice. And I'm like, come on, brother. Listen, Jesus can heal cancer more than once. He can provide bread more than once. He can bring you through the fire more than one time. There's no shortages in heaven. The power and the supply are always there. So don't ever have the attitude like, well, I don't want to just presume he'll do it again. Oh, he'll do it again. He will do it again. Amen. Come on. And so don't ever limit Jesus because of your faith. And when Jesus went to his very own hometown and family, it says he was amazed at their unbelief. But let me tell you the second way to amaze Jesus. And this is the best way to amaze Jesus. Number two, have strong faith. Have strong faith. And I'm going to show you a story where somebody had really strong faith and it says that Jesus was just amazed. And and so I love this story. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Amen. Are we having a good time on a Wednesday night? I'm having a great time on a Wednesday night. I just love to get together with the people of God studying the word of God. That's a good time right there. Thanks, Nick. (laughs) Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to look here at verses 5 through 10. This is the story of the Roman centurion. And so a few things to point out. First of all, he's Roman, so he is not Jewish. 
He's Roman. He is a Gentile. He is a military man. And a centurion was somebody, century, centurion, 100. He had 100 men underneath him, all right? And so he was a, he was a powerful man. He had some authority. He had some power. And this wasn't just, you know, this wasn't private pile, okay? This was somebody that had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of experience here, all right? A respected man. And so let's look at this. Matthew chapter 8. Verses 5 through 10, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I love that. I think the King James says, just speak the word only. Look at verse 9. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, what happened when he heard this? He was amazed. Say that with me. He was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. That's a big statement. And what does he mean by that? In all of Israel, he's like, Israel, that was, you know, we're we're talking about on Sundays. That was the covenant people. That was the people that actually had promises from God. To this point in time, this Gentile, this Roman, he had no promises from God up until this point in time. And so Jesus looks to those around him and says he was amazed. And he was like, whoa, he had to take a step back for a minute. I haven't seen faith like this in you. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, even amongst the covenant people. They don't even believe like this guy believes. That's a big statement if you understand covenants like we do. Skip down to verse 13. So. Jesus did. He just spoke the word. And then verse 13, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Now, again, notice Jesus didn't say, hey, because of my greatness and my power and my glory, it has happened. Was it because of his greatness, power and glory? Yes, it was. That was the source for the power. But it was also because of his belief. And so in your life, listen, some people, you know, there's people that are mean about it. And, and you know, well, you didn't get that because of your doubt. And sometimes that is the reason why some of our prayers don't get answered. That's not always the only reason. But it would be a lie to say that that's never an issue. Sometimes that's the issue. Jesus has the power. He's got the resources. But We do have to believe. And there are several stories in the Gospels where Jesus says, hey, your faith has made you whole. He said that to the woman with the issue of blood. She reached out and touched him. And he said, whoa, lady, your faith has made you whole. He tells this guy right here, because you believed, because of your faith, the miraculous has happened. And then it actually happened. And this whole story is incredible because you see Jesus in a moment where he was like, whoa, he was taken back. He was amazed at this man's level of belief. 
How do you think that makes him feel when he looks down here and he sees you and he's like, and, 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 and you, you release your faith. You stand on the word of God and the miraculous happens. Jesus loves to see you score some victories down here. He loves it. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and he is just amazed by great and powerful faith. I absolutely love this. So when you're living in faith, all right, we're faith people. When you're living in faith, you can trust God even before you see the answer. That's what this man did. He's like, no, 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 just speak the word only, and it's as good as done. All you got to do is speak the word, and I'm totally convinced that that's all it's going to take, and my servant is going to be healed. And so we've got to get to the level where we trust God before we ever even see the answer. If you have to wait until you see it to believe it, it's going to be too late. When you've got a word of God, you go ahead and you stand on that word and you trust God and you consider it done, right? I mean, if, is there anybody in your life that you just really trust and they're, and you can ask them something, hey, can you take care of this for me? And they're like, yeah, I've got it. There are some people, you know, there's not everybody in my life, but there are some people where I, if I say, hey, can you handle this for me? And they're like, yeah, consider it done. I'm like, it's as good as done. It's off my mind now because I know that they're going to follow through. They're a person of their word. Jesus is a person of his word. Right? I love his word. I love the word of God. And if Jesus says, hey, consider it done. By the stripes, by the wounds on Jesus' back, ye were healed. Healing has been provided for. The price is paid. I just got to plug in my faith and receive it. And so when I've got a word from God, I don't have to wait to start praising. I'll start praising in advance. And I've heard people talk about that. But I remember one day I was it was morning time. I was praying for something that I really needed. And I was like, you know what? I've got a verse right here that says that this is your will for me. I've got a verse right here that says that you're going to take care of this. I got so excited. I'm like, oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus, that this is handled. It is done. I'm not even going to worry about it anymore. It's as good as done because Jesus said he'd take care, for, take care of it. So when you've got that level of faith, you can start praising God way before you ever even see the answer. You can start thanking God right now. It is done because of his word and because of his promises. I don't even need to see it. You know, I've used this example, but I think about it. What if there was a legitimate billionaire, okay, a legitimate billionaire, and and he's like, you know what, I like you. I like you a lot. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to write you a check for a million dollars. Here it is. It's yours. Now, the skeptic would be like, I'll believe it. When I go and take it to the bank and cash it and they clear the money and verify that it's there, then I'll believe it. But hey, someone that's like a faith like, I know that I know this guy is he's he's got the goods to back this check up. I'm a millionaire. Woo! I'd be I'd be rejoicing right then. I wouldn't have to wait for I I would at that point in time 
Consider myself a millionaire because I know he wrote the check and he's got the goods to back it up. And when it comes to the promises of God, if you've got it in the word of God right here, Jesus wrote the check on Calvary. You can rejoice right now and consider it a done deal. If he said you're healed, I am a healed man. If he said that I've got the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, I don't have to wait until I get the feels for it. I consider it done right now come on somebody you've got to realize that you don't wait until you see it to believe it you believe it and then the seeing will follow someday do you want to amaze jesus have strong faith do you want to annoy religious christians i do have strong faith brother <laughs> come on all right and so first john chapter five first john chapter five Jesus wrote the check, and he's got the goods to cash it. He's got the goods to cash it. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I love this right here, man. 1 John 5. Praise God. We've got to be people of faith. We've got to believe. Love it. When uh, the angel appeared to Mary in Luke chapter 1. And tells her all this incredible stuff. She's just a teenage girl, 13 to 15 years old. And this angel says and comes and tells her all this outrageous stuff. And she's like, be it unto me according to thy word. <laughs> and that's what we got. God made some great big promises in his word. Right, They sound just too good to be true sometimes. But all I got to say is, hey, be it unto me according to thy word. If it's in the word. Be it unto me, let it happen. For with God all things are possible. Luke 1, 37. That's what little Mary said back then. And that's the same thing today. With God all things are possible. 1 John 5. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 15. It says, And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. So let me ask you, are you confident that God hears you when you ask for anything that's according to his will? Do you actually believe that he actually hears you? Or some people are like, I don't know if God's hearing me up there. It feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling and then just bouncing right back down. No, if you're praying according to the will of God, which is the word of God, you can be very confident that God is hearing those prayers. They're getting up to heaven. They're getting up there. And look at verse 15. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. That's really good news right there. We know that he hears us whenever we're praying for anything that is according to his will. And we know that he will give us what we ask for you've got to be confident in that verse right there and that statement of faith you have to be confident that you've got a good god he loves you he hears your prayers and if they're in line with his word he will give you what you ask for and some people are like well i don't know that's a that's a big thing to say because i've seen people that have asked for things according to the Bible and they didn't get them. And I'm, hey, I am sorry to hear that right there. There could be a whole, there could be a million reasons why. But it's not my job to go through there and analyze their life and their faith. But I can say this much, anytime that I have in faith asked God, asked, came to God in prayer and asked for something according to His Word, and I've been walking in love, 
and I've been obeying him, I have gotten it. Big things. Healed of leukemia. Big thing. My parents got that in my life. I didn't like that. That's, you know, it's no fun being three and a half and being, you know, nearly dead. That stinks. But faith in Jesus made it happen. There's been so many great big things that I've seen God do. And listen, it rubs people the wrong way. I wouldn't go around preaching that. I wouldn't go around saying that. He'll give you whatever we ask for. Why wouldn't I say it when he said it? If you've got the guts to believe for it, he's got the goods and the power to make it happen. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And I'm saying, I can't speak for everybody or everywhere, but right here in Barstow, California, on Soap Mine Road, when Jesus returns, he will find faith on the earth right here, right? Who's with me? He'll find faith on the earth. And so, you know, I had a lot more in my notes, but I am going to have to wind it down here. But I want to tell you this much, that if you want to amaze Jesus, there's two surefire ways. Just be a big doubter. And skeptic like the people in Nazareth were when he went to visit his hometown. Or you could take the better option and be a person of extreme faith. Just like that Roman centurion was and say, you know what, Jesus, hey, you don't even have, you don't even have to go over to my, just speak the word only and it will be done. And so if you want to see the miraculous in your life, you're going to have to Build your faith up. You're going to have to start taking him very, very seriously. Some people are wanting, I want the blessing. You know, they want an Abraham-sized blessing, but they've got Thomas-sized faith. And remember Thomas, he was a doubter. He doubted everything. Thomas, listen, if you want to start seeing some big things, you're going to have to start taking your faith very, very seriously. Because I see a lot of people that they want just full-time miracles and they want to be a part-time Christian and it does not work that way. You need to start taking Jesus seriously. We're in the end times here. We're about to see some things happen. We're about to hear a trumpet. We're about to see Jesus Christ come down out of the sky and call us up out of this mess and take us to heaven. And this is the hour. Hey, Going to church once a month, that ain't going to cut it. I'm just, I'm sorry to say that. That ain't going to cut it. You're going to have to, reading your Bible once a quarter ain't going to cut it. You need to be in the Word every single day. Praying to Jesus only when you need some sort of a big bailout miracle, that's not a prayer life at all. You need to be praying every day, reading the Word every day, attending church all the time. You need to take it serious. Because Jesus is taking this serious, and the devil's taking this serious, and you better know that he's not about to let up. You need to be a person of strong faith. And listen, these end times, they're gonna be, they're gonna be good for you. The glory of the Lord will rise upon you, according to Isaiah chapter 60. Gross darkness covers the earth, but upon God's people, the glory of the Lord will shine. Arise and shine, for thy light has come. Amen? All right, I better shut up because I'm going to keep going. All right, let's stand up together tonight. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.